0: can take a seat well hello again welcome to the well Um, yeah I think that I'm already glad I came tonight how about you guys it's been good so far yes so um but here's the good news I'm actually really excited that you're all here tonight because I think that God has some really great stuff to offer to you and um there's a couple great things still to happen tonight so I'm excited you're here I'm excited to be here we're going to keep on trucking if that's okay Um, Before I get started tonight, I want to just make a real quick announcement about something that you've heard rumors about but is actually happening. Ben and I are planning to lead a trip to Israel for campus ministry um, in May. So the first two weeks of May. Uh, So this could be you if you're interested in touring the land of Israel with us. Really quick snapshots for you. Um, this is the tentative dates, May 2 through 16. The apo- approximate price is $4,000. We don't have the detailed, detail information for you. We will have it next Sunday. But next Sunday, you're also gonna hear about all these incredible spring break trips that are coming, okay? Yeah, that's exciting. So we just wanna let you know this was happening because $4,000 is a lot of money and we think you should talk to your parents before you think about going on this trip, okay? So if you're thinking about that, this week would be a great time to call home and have that conversation. Next week we'll have more information and you'll get to hear about all the amazing spring break trips coming. Who's excited for spring break? Good? All right. Awesome. That's our public service announcement for tonight. Um, So to get us kind of going into our topic, what I want to talk about tonight, one quick question. How many of you guys have been stressed out at all about anything in the last two weeks? Raise your hand. All right, that's all of us. Awesome. My question for you is, I wonder if you've ever felt like this. Okay, this is a clip from an old movie, so bear with me. Kindergarten cop, do you guys remember this? A long time ago, right? Okay, so Arnold Schwarzenegger plays this macho cop who gets an assignment to go undercover as a kindergarten teacher to try to bust some drug dealer. Okay, so this is where we pick up the scene. I want to know, I want you to think if you have ever felt like this. It's coming. Yes. I'll take care
1: First
0: of her. Yes. I'll take care of her.
1: Thank you. Yeah, First it's coming. Yes.
0: I'll take care of her. Thank you. You know, kindergarten is like the ocean. You don't want to turn your back on it.
1: They're okay. Don't worry. Everything is under control. No. Monsters. What are you doing with this? Break it up. No, two more days of
0: this, and you'll quit.
1: Shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up. No. Don't stop this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. You can stop there. Okay, have you ever felt like that? Like your life is, in that moment, completely out of control, and you just want the chaos to stop, right? So here's what I need you guys to do to be brave again tonight, um, because this is going to be an important part of what we do. I need you to find two other people. So you're in groups of three, okay, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to introduce yourselves, name so you know who you're talking to, and I just want you to name one thing you're stressed about right now or something you've been stressed about or maybe a time you felt like that guy, okay? So find a group of three people, and then we're going to come back to these groups a couple times tonight. So be brave. You'll be glad you did on your market site, go. All right, you have about 30 seconds to finish up your conversation. Okay, let's bring it back together. And as we do, I want you guys just to give me some examples. Raise your hand, something you're stressed out about tonight. Raise your hand real quick, someone tell me. Yeah. Projects, school projects, back here. Internships. What else? Paying for education. Anyone stressed about money tonight as you're sitting here tonight? Yeah. All right. What else? What else? Any ideas? Physics. Did I hear someone say that? Yeah. Say that one more time. Deciding a major. How many of you guys are still trying to figure out what your major is going to be? All right. So there's a lot of things that have us stressed out, if we're honest, tonight. We're all kind of feeling this together, OK? So. When we're stressed out and we're out of control, sometimes we really wish that there was someone in control. We sort of long that there long for somebody to be in control in the times when we're not in control. So what I wanna do tonight is take a look at two really short stories in the book of Matthew that show us the power of Jesus and the things that he is in control of. So if you have a Bible, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter eight tonight. Um, Before we dive into that, I want to just review a little bit where we've been. Um, Last week was so fun. Some of you guys were here, and we got to hear the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And that took place right up here near Capernaum in the northwest region of the Sea of Galilee. Do you guys remember who lives there? What people group? Anyone? The religious Jews. Okay, so up here in this area... In the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, during the time of Jesus, we had the religious Jewish people living in that region. And that's where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. Once that's over, at the end of chapter 7 and into chapter 8, large crowds follow him. And then he begins to heal many people, mostly in the area of Capernaum, kind of in that religious circle. To get to our stories tonight, take a look at Matthew 8, verse 18 and someone tell me where Jesus gives orders to go? Who's got it? What does it say? To the other side, okay? So to understand our stories, I want to tell you about the other side. The other side was kind of lingo in the day for the Decapolis, which was this area over here on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. This is the place where the pagans lived. So if you were a religious Jew living up here in the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee, you did not go here, okay? This was a place that was um, definitely not just on the other shore geographically, but it was definitely on the other shore culturally and spiritually, where in the religious Jewish section, um, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, were almighty word of God. God was all-powerful. All we obey God and everything he says. Over here in this region, there were all kinds of gods. And actually, there was a mindset called Hellenism in the culture where really man was God. It was all about how great man was and how much man could do and what man could build. And so the, the ideals over here were exactly the opposite of what they were in the religious area where Jesus was teaching when he was giving the Sermon on the Mount. So understanding the other side is really important. To the Jewish community, the other side was intimately linked with the kingdom of evil and Satan. Okay, you just didn't go there um, for lots of reasons. Okay, so that's just kind of a little bit of the setup geographically of where we are for tonight. Um, Oh, actually, I was going to show you this. From Capernaum, this is the view across the lake to the Decapolis, so you're actually looking at the other side. So when Jesus says, okay, let's go over to the other side, he's pointing over there, and that's where they're headed, okay? Just want to give you a visual. Here's my plan for tonight. We're going to look at two stories in Matthew 8, um, and we're going to do a few things for each story. The first thing that's going to happen is I'm going to give you just a couple ideas that are a little bit of background to the story, so we can understand the story a little better, Then I want you to talk in your groups, the groups of three you were just in, and the question I want you to answer together is, what does this story we just heard tell us about Jesus? Okay, so we're going to listen to the story. I want you to answer together, what did, what does this tell us about Jesus? And we're going to put those things together and come to some conclusions. Does that sound okay? So we're going to do that for story one, and then we're going to move to story two, and they're pretty short, and um, so if you guys can hang with me, I think it'll be pretty fun. Are you game? Are you ready to go? Okay, can I pray before we do this? Jesus, we're thankful to be together tonight. We're thankful for the freedom we have to be in this room and to worship you and to hear from your word. So God, we pray now that your word would speak, that it would do what you have sent it to do in this room tonight. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, the first thing, I want to just give you a couple background pieces to the first story, okay? The first thing is, there was a God in the area of the Galilee for centuries before the time of Jesus, a Canaanite God, the Canaanites lived in the land, and that God's name was Yam. Everybody say Yam. Yom. Sorry, I just got really thirsty. Yam actually means sea in Hebrew, okay? So say it again, Yam. The god Yom, in the Canaanite mythology and in the culture, controlled the sea. Okay, he was the god of sea, but he was also the god, it's this little guy up here, kind of hard to see, but you can see all the chaos and the churning and even the monsters and creatures in the sea. So the other idea that kind of got passed down through the centuries also was that water was chaos and water was the source of evil. So Yom controlled those things okay, throughout the centuries before the time of Jesus, and this kind of got passed down in the culture. Yom controlled the sea. Yom controlled all the things that came out of the sea, which they really thought it was the source of evil. They called it the abyss, okay, so that was what they thought of the water. Even today in Israel, you guys, like when you look around the Sea of Galilee, there's not like cottages and beautiful lakes and all kinds of vacation places it's still not really a hot commodity, which is incredible in the Middle East. It's the only fresh body of water in the Middle East, but it still has this mystique, like it's the chaos and the abyss, okay? So water, this is the Sea of Galilee. um, This is actually from the Decapolis now. So if you're looking out back across the other way, isn't it beautiful and calm? It doesn't look all all that harmful, but it was still seen as the abyss. And here's the thing. Lots of people in Galilee were fishermen. That was their livelihood. So the sea was necessary because they lived off of it from fishing, but it was also dangerous, and it involved a certain amount of risk. So anytime a fisherman went out on the sea, they had some fear because they were going out into the abyss. Make sense? Okay, so sometimes, though, this can happen. And we actually took this picture when we were there back in 2000. 13, so some of you guys were there that night. There was this big storm that kind of rolled over the Sea of Galilee. Um, This is kind of mild. The Sea of Galilee lies in this bowl. It's about 600 feet below sea level, and all the way around it are these cliffs. You can kind of see some of them off in the distance that can go up to about 2,600 feet. Okay, the combination of the Sea of Galilee being way down there and the big huge mountains around it um, produce this eastern wind called the Sharkia, if I'm saying it correctly, comes over the eastern mountains and comes down into the water and churns the water up, so much so that it can produce up to seven-foot waves. Which, if you're in a little fishing boat, that's kind of a big deal, okay? Not a good thing. This still happens on the water today. So I just want to set up some of the setting for the first story that we're going to look at. Um, and I'm going to leave this up there because I think that will help us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to the first story. And then turn in your groups and talk about what do we learn about Jesus from this story. Um, if you have a Bible, don't look at it right now. I just want you to listen. You can go back to it with your group. OK? So just listen. Then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed, followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. His disciples came and woke him and said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus replied, oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. When the men saw this, they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go ahead and talk in your groups. What do we learn about Jesus from this story? Okay, hey, why don't you guys kind of come back together and give me some examples. I just want to hear some things you talked about. What did we learn about Jesus from hearing that story and putting all that stuff together? Any ideas? Be brave. Be brave. Yeah, Tyler. He's He's a heavy sleeper. Say that. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yes, over here. Yeah, that's right. The god of what? God of ah, very good. So not, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Can I repeat what you said so they can hear? It? Okay, so, um, <laughs> so this is really cool. What he was saying, Can you tell me your name? Jake. Jake. What Jake was saying is that Yam was a god of chaos, which we learned, and he said, "My god, the god I know is a god of order." All right, now that's huge. That's actually right where we're going, so good work. I'll pay you later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, This is really cool because in this story, we see that Jesus has power over the sea. He has power over the chaos. He has power over what the culture thought was the source of evil. Okay, all this churning of the sea. Jesus reveals that he has power, but here's the thing. Up until this point, Throughout the Old Testament, what the Jewish culture had as their Bible, the first five books of the Torah and the Psalms and into different parts of the Bible, um, only God had that power. Only God had power over the sea. And I think of some examples Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of all things. There's chaos, God speaks, and things start to come in order. All right? Um, in Genesis chapter 6, anybody know what happens? It's the flood. Okay, there's chaos on the earth and God brings the rains and floods the earth and takes away the chaos that has become part of the culture on earth. In Exodus 14, he parts the Red Sea. God shows his power over water. He parts the sea so his people can walk through on dry land. Um, In the story of Jonah, right, Jonah's running away from the call of God and God brings a storm on the sea and a big fat whale to swallow him up. Again, God is showing his strength and his power over these things. And here Jesus is showing his power over these things. This is a big deal. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 107. I want to show you something pretty cool. Remember that most of the people, the disciples that were with Jesus when this happened, came from that northwest section of the Sea of Galilee. Not all of them, but most of them. That means they were from that religious Jewish culture. And if you remember Ben talking about this a few weeks ago, they knew the text. They memorized it, they studied it, they said it all the time. They knew the word of God. So go to Psalm 107 and look at verse 23 and just follow along with me for a few moments. This is incredible. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men." I don't know about you guys, but if I'm in this boat with Jesus, and I'm trying to figure out who he is and what he's all about, and I know this book, and that happens, he stands up in a storm, and he calms the water, and I know this, then all of a sudden I realize that Jesus has the power of God. Jesus has the power of God over the waves, over the wind, over the chaos, over all things that's what story number one shows us about jesus and i think that's pretty awesome so are you guys ready for story number two um moving on so this is another view of the other side right you're looking at the decapolis and you can notice how big these cliffs are again some of them up to 2500 feet above sea level the sea of galilee 600 below so it's a big difference a big cliff Um, the next part of the story takes place on one of these cliffs. Now, I can't tell you which rock it happened on or, like, square foot, but somewhere in this area. The Bible tells us in the region of the Gadarenes, which there are a few different ideas for where that is, but one of them is a location here. Modern-day Kersey is what it's called. Um, And actually, you can tell that there are quite a few big, steep cliffs, okay? And that's kind of all you need to know about that for now. The second thing you need to know about is pigs, okay? So in the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus is coming from, do people have pigs, do you think? No, because pigs were unclean. You didn't touch them, you didn't eat them, they were forbidden. But when you come to the other side, pigs were grown as part of the livelihood, part of the economical growth of that culture. So, so A, pigs were important because they were how we made money, but also they represented Rome. This is the coin of the 10th legion which was stationed in the Decapolis. So remember Rome is ruling the land during this time and a lot of people really don't like that. They've conquered the land, they're ruling, they're implementing their lifestyle and there's this big clash of cultures between the Jewish culture that honors God and this other culture that honors man. Okay so it's a big clash in the day. This is a coin from the Roman legion and I don't know if you can tell in the back but this is actually a wild boar, or they called it a running boar. And that was the symbol of the 10th legion. And the 10th legion was stationed in the Decapolis. Okay, you guys with me? All right, so that's what you need to know as we head into story number two. Nope, you don't need to know that yet. (laughs) Uh, Giving away my secrets for later, that's okay. Um, So here is story number two. Again, I just want you to listen. And then we're going to ask the same question, okay? When Jesus arrived at the other side, in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs approached him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want from us, they shouted, son of God? Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Somewhere nearby, there was a large herd of pigs feeding And the demons begged Jesus, if you send us out, send us into those pigs. Then Jesus said to them, go. And they came out, and they went into the pigs. And the whole herd ran down the steep bank into the lake where they died in the water. The people tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported everything that had happened, including... What had happened to the two demon-possessed men? Then the whole town came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. This is the word of the Lord. Talk about in your groups, what does this story tell us about Jesus? Alright, let's come back together. Tell me what you found. Someone be brave. What is this story? Tell us about Jesus. What do we learn about him from this story? Someone be brave. You can do it. Ah, she's right here. Yes. Okay, it only takes one word for Jesus to change everything, right? He just says, go, and they went. That's awesome. Yeah. The demons are scared of Jesus. Absolutely. What else? AJ? Yeah, the town is pretty freaked out, aren't they? That Jesus has done this thing. So sometimes it's scary when God's in control and we're not. Right over here. Ah, the demons right away said, what do you want from us? The son of God. They knew who he was right away. Somebody over here. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. So the story shows us God has power over evil. God has power over—actually, I find this very interesting. Remember the part about the pigs and that being part of their livelihood, right? He has control over the things that made these people feel secure, the things they may be trusted in or depended on for, you know, their well-being, their welfare. And also, remember the part about the coin— with the wild boar representing the Roman Legion? Is Jesus suggesting in the story that he's got power even over Rome? Over the things that seem to rule us, that seem to have power, to seem to be in control? But he's actually, no, actually, I control that too. Um, I think this story, again, like Chris said, it shows when you put them together, right, when you look at both stories, we see Jesus in control over creation and wind and water and chaos and the sea and all of these things. We see him in control over evil. We see him in control over things that maybe mean security. We see him in control over the things that seem to have power. And when you put them together, Jesus is seen to have control really over everything. That Jesus reigns, that Jesus is God and has control over all things so here's the question if this is true in these stories is it possible that this could be true for your life and the situations that you're thinking of some you've said and some you haven't that feel like chaos that feel like you're in the storm and you have no idea how you're going to get out The things in your life that you can't control, but you wish that you could. Is it possible that Jesus can come and be in control of those things in your life, just like we see him in the story? I spent a lot of time the last few weeks thinking back over my story and over the times in my life when I faced storms or things that were confusing or things that were sad or things that made me afraid. I just want to name some examples because I think it's really easy for us to just kind of, yeah, Jesus calms the storms. But I wonder if you relate to any of these. So in college, once in college and once right after college, I thought I was going to be married to a guy that I was dating. And both those guys decided that they weren't going to marry me. Those were devastating days. My heart was broken. That was a storm. And I needed Jesus to help. Then, after that, I was single until I was 34. And some of you guys are going, no, not me. (laughs) (laughs) So, I just want to name that and say that was really, really hard. That was not some like, yeah, I'm so strong and spiritual and all these things. It was fine. I knew God had a plan. No, you know what, you guys? It was really, really hard. And that was a part of my life that I needed Jesus to bring peace over and over again. Just after college, my brother, who some of you guys met at the Dueling Pianos party, um, had some weird things going on, and it all culminated into him having brain surgery to take out this little clump of twisted blood vessels in his brain. Talk about frightening. Sending my brother, I could still picture him being wheeled away into surgery. Like, is he going to be okay? Is he going to come out the same kid? Very frightening. I had another friend that was diagnosed with cancer in 2001 and went through a very long battle with cancer, and I watched him die. I was actually there with him. That was a very difficult storm, something that I didn't understand, something that I needed God to come and meet me in. There were times when Ben and I were studying in Jerusalem, and I know you guys get this one. We had comp exams to pass our master's program. We had to translate 10 chapters of Hebrew and know all of the historical geography that went with those 10 chapters. Okay, I've never been so stressed about school in all my life. I mean, we would just come home and study and study and study and study for months, like three or four months. Um, So I get the school stress, and some of you guys have been feeling that the last few weeks. There have been times of job searches, trying to figure out where in the world God wants us to be. Um, We ended up here, which is really cool. But there were a lot of days we didn't know. And some of you guys are like, where is my life going? (laughs) What is coming next? And you need God to speak into that chaos. And then, for about three years, from 2010 to 2013, Ben and I were trying to have a baby. Some of you guys have heard parts of this story. And it just kept not happening, not happening, not happening. We had all kinds of tests and sought all kinds of doctors. And in the end, there was no reason, just no baby. And that was a huge storm in my life. That was a time when I was asking a lot of questions, and I felt like I was living in a lot of chaos and a lot of uncertainty. So I want you just to think in your mind, what are the storms in your life? What are the storms you're in right now? Maybe some of them you've had in the past. Because, you guys, here's the thing. When I do this, when I look back over my life, over these different storms and challenges and hard things, for sure these are the times when God displayed his power in my life. Not necessarily always the way I wanted him to, but he always showed up, and I could always see him. And sometimes even more clearly when I look back, So when I look back at my story and I see God's faithfulness and I look at the stories here, like the stories we talked about tonight, both of those things come together to tell me it's going to be okay. Now, okay can mean a lot of different things. Maybe not the clear picture you have in your mind, but it reminds me that Jesus is God and Jesus is in control of the chaos and the stress and the unknown and the uncertainty and all the things we're afraid of. I don't know about you guys, I get really afraid of the what ifs. What if I lose someone I love? What if I get sick? I've been watching the news. What if all of this crazy stuff going on on the other side of the world comes here? What if, what if? I get really afraid of that. But to look back and to know that in my life I have seen the power of God, and then I look at these stories, and I see it again. And I remember that I can stand and I can trust and that God is faithful. So for you guys tonight, It's a simple question. Will you invite Jesus into your chaos, into your stress? How long do you think the disciples were bailing, right, before they woke him up? Oh, we can do this. We'll just keep, right? How long will you wait to ask Jesus to come and to speak into the chaos, to speak to you, to calm you, to calm the storms, and to bring peace? Now you get to see this picture. Oh, not that. That one. So at the end of this very, very difficult storm came Jaden. And we adopted him, and it's a really cool story, and we'll tell that another time. Um, but I want to tell you what his name means. Because in the Jewish culture, we learned this from our Jewish friends even, your name means a lot. In fact, your, your name is your destiny. It's not just something that sounds cool. And Jaden's name comes from Nehemiah chapter 3. The Hebrew is actually Yadon. And what it means is, is God is in control. God reigns. So Jaden, as I'm looking at him back there with Ben, you can look, he's really cute, it's fine. (laughs) Hi, guys. He's a constant reminder to me that God reigns. That Jesus is God and he's in control and it's going to be okay. So now I have something really, really, really cool to tell you about. As I was getting ready for this teaching, um, some of our friends on the music team, Jesse and Julia, worked together to write a song for you um, that kind of speaks about God's control in the storm. So what I want to invite you to do is I just want you to listen. The words are going to be up so that you can know what they are and, and listen to them and take them in. But don't sing along. Just listen and let God speak peace into your life, into your storms, into your stress. Um, so let me pray as we do that. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the things it teaches us about who you are And God, thank you for the fact that you reign, that you are in control, that all the things we're worried about we can place in your hands and that we can trust you. So God, would you in these next few moments just speak your peace to each person here? I pray that your spirit would move. I pray that the big things would become small and that you would become big. Thank you, Jesus, for these moments. Amen.
1: It's